0: Welcome to Monday's edition of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. The only podcast that, if it's wrong, it's right. And if it's right, it's also right. It's just a matter of opinion, guys. <laughs> I'm your host, Craig Cairns, and joining me today, he just can't get enough of that Ali Mostert goal. It's Robert Borthwick. Hello, how are you doing? And he likes watching chess. <laughs> he does. It's Tom Watt. Hello. <laughs> we've got uh, this new setup today. I've already balls my intro up once and re recorded it, but we've got this new setup. These kind of mics are kind of dangling in front of our faces rather than um, on the table. I'm recording through on my rants and I'll just, cards on the table, I'm absolutely shitting myself. It's not going to turn out. I'm, well.
1: I'm just terrified through association. I was absolutely fine until you started saying I'm scared about it, but now it's. Uh, it's, it's-
2: it's a terrifying level of professionalism. <laughs> you know? We're
1: not used to it here on the Tennis Scottish Football podcast, but we will try.
2: We will try.
0: And what we're going to do is, as it's Monday, as usual, we're going to run through the games from the Premiership weekend. And we're going to start at Celtic Park, where Brendan Rodgers' plucky underdogs finally <laughs> got a win against the rampant juggernaut that is Steve Clarke's Comarnock. Um, and I mean, Brendan Rogers described this as one of Celtic's best performances since he got there. And from watching the highlights, it was hard to agree with that. Some of the football was was fantastic.
1: I think you mean uh, hard to disagree with that, but yes. Yeah, all, God,
0: I see, I'm all over the place. I'm still nervous. <laughs> still scared <laughs> of My heart
1: rate's still up. Um, yeah, I mean, you you can't deny it at all. It was it was scintillating at times. Um, just sometimes Celtic get into that groove, um, and you can tell from quite early on that they're just on it. And I think, you know, whenever uh, Celtic have played teams who have maybe been um, even having a thought of being near the top of the table, they have found themselves really sort of stepping up to it and did it against Hart earlier on the season at Celtic Park, Uh, done it again against Kilmarnock. And I think it's it's just testament to how he's got that team drilled in the bigger games. Um, Seven consecutive trophies, all that kind of stuff. You know, they're not... They're not as they are for a, a mistake. But the, the level of football, some of the goals as well, the finishing, um they could have had about twelve, going by that. I mean they hit the woodwork a few times, Forrest and uh, and Sinclair most notably, but they were just superb and I think you know, Kilmarnock under Steve Clark have done very, very well in Glasgow, so it shouldn't be underestimated as well. You know, you can't just say, Oh, this is Celtic, just being Celtic. They were playing one of the best teams I mean, look at the league, they were playing the best team in the league up until that weekend. Um, and they still absolutely trounced them. And it was just like, some of the football was ridiculous, an absolute joy to watch, and sometimes Celtic just get like that. But then this season they've shown susceptibility, so they need to keep that up now and keep trouncing teams like they are to, to really sort of stamp their mark and stamp their authority on the league.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's been a couple of times Celtic have done something like that to, to teams this season, but they've been like right down the bottom of the league. And it's the first time they've done that to someone who has been like defensively solid, I think well, only what, 12 goals conceded yeah. the, so far this season uh, up until that point um, I mean, You
0: could argue hearts were quite hearts were quite high on the table but I think the wheels had already started to come off by then I think.
2: A little bit and I think there wasn't the same there probably wasn't the same pressure not that there was huge amounts of pressure but you know, I've had Kelly push them a bit more had they taken a point and then there have been plenty of question marks over them this season um, but no, they, you know like like I said, the 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 movement off the ball. I thought the um, Edward Gold was unbelievably good. Just the way they moved the the, the ball around, and I know Steve Clark said that like, his defenders were were tired, but you can see why because they just got absolutely they they got the run around, and they've been very good right throughout the season. They've looked a great unit. They've looked defensively solid. They look like they can hurt teams on the break when they have to. And um, yeah, they just got overrun in midfield. I think the biggest worry for Celtic now is. What they do when with Brown and the Sham because they're a much better team without them.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot of that's going to depend on whether they they stay in Europe um, past this Thursday and use their and have to have the having to use their squad a bit more and things like that. Um, you you kind of touched on it there. Steve Clark mentioned about uh, his defence mid. I think he said Finley hadn't trained a week. Um, Boyd, they asked him if, when the last time he had played three games in a week and he couldn't remember and then he also mentioned O'Donnell and Taylor having played international football in the summer. Are they valid
2: excuses?
0: or they-
2: Yeah, I think they are and I think probably what will be a, a theme throughout our discussion are the teams that, um, you know, like I think Craig Levine said just getting three points in these sorts of games when you've got two games a week over this part, especially when there's so many teams bunched up together is is. Like it's a cliche but it's absolutely vital and um, it is a punishing schedule Kelly don't have a big squad there's not a huge amount of opportunity for them to, to freshen things up between now and January so I think he does have a valid excuse to some extent equally he was perfectly honest and said something were miles better than us and, and paid credit but it was due and you know it, it was due because they were really really good
0: yeah um, they have three centre halves basically one was injured and one one Probably would have missed the game through injury had had the others been uh, fit. Basically, um, talk a bit more about Celtic and uh, and a rare start for Emilio Izaguirre,
1: the difference maker. That's it. He's he's, he's coming. Right. Imagine that though. Full back, sort of Mika Lustig and Emilio Izaguirre, and your team gets pumped five one. <laughs> um, that's that's probably a bit harsh on Lustig, who has been a lot better this season than he was last season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's that sort of thing. I, I think when Celtic are are playing like they did on Saturday, having Izaguiri or having Tierney, you know, it's not going to make a huge difference because the play came through the likes of Christie, it came through James Forrest, Edward up front. All these guys were the the key difference makers. And really, Kelly didn't really land a glove on them. They had a couple of chances in the first half, a couple in the second, including the goal, which was a penalty. Um, But yeah, I, I think in that sort of game, it's it's not massively important who you're playing. But, you know, it's it's good for Paul Tim that Emilio Izaguiri is back on the pitch. I'm sure he would have been absolutely buzzing about that. Got a few selfies afterwards, put him in a daft hat. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not hugely important, but it, it, it served the purpose purely to remind me that Emilio Izaguiri is still a Celtic <laughs> player because I I'd completely forgotten up until this point. And then I saw him popping up in the team sheet. But, yeah, it's... When Celtic are that good, it doesn't really matter, essentially.
0: And that result took them back to the top of the league, which then put the pressure on Rangers to um, keep pace with them, and they failed pretty miserably, to be honest. But the big question from this game against Dundee is, who loves the armed forces more?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's obviously still Rangers, but Dundee are, are making a really strong case for quite how much they love army. Um, I, What's that kit about? It's not like it's not even a, it's not even a nice. <laughs> but home, aye. But it's not even a nice looking one. I mean, I saw there was a obviously a bunch of uh, armed forces in the stand. Um, I'm sure, they would have been delighted to see the, some sort of emblem on a, a pretty shan
2: Dundee. Why you go to kit. Afghanistan? Well, that's it. That's Represented it. Represented by the Dundee away shirt.
1: It makes all those tours worth it. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd, I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's a really bad kit. I think someone described it as an EDL kit. <laughs> it's like something they would
0: come up with. <laughs> I think that might be Gary. Yeah, and it was Kenny Miller that opened the scoring, and this—that's um, that's four games undefeated. Quietly gone four games undefeated. Dundee the and uh, Kenny Miller's goal, which only got them a point in the end, but helped lift them off the bottom of the league.
2: Yeah, four games unbeaten for the first time since February 2017, I believe. Um, yeah, and and they looked pretty good, pretty good value for it. I mean, a muted celebration from Kenny Miller, which it
1: was. It was so weird though because it, it was... everyone muted. else was going nuts. Aye, and he was like, nah. but it, it was muted after he had like sort of
2: cheeky smile, and laughed and his way towards the stand, <laughs> yeah. like, and then, then he realised he he'd shit-housed like, the defender, knocked it over the goalkeeper. <laughs> like it was the cheekiest of finishes, and it was like no, nope, no, nope. no. But the thing is, I, enough I'd, of a party.
0: <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing, but I, and in that case, I wouldn't mind a little bit of a muted celebration, but he was pushing his teammates away. He was like, get off me. I'm not even going <laughs> to hug you in but celebration. He
1: was pushing them away whilst having a good laugh and a smile. Like, it, it was it was purely for show, because the Rangers fans were all decked up at the other end of the pitch. And they
0: applauded him off the last time they played, and he got sent off, no? Uh,
1: aye, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He got sent off and they applauded him off the park, no wonder. <laughs> uh, but they did it again in this game, so obviously they still have some love for, uh, for Kenny Miller. But, I mean, on the goal itself... Um, Nathan Ralph for the ball over the top. It's the only positive impact Nathan Ralph had on that game. Um, but Warrell and Goldson, I mean, that's unforgivably bad defending. I mean, yeah. Warrell in that first half, he was putting in an attempt for an all-time worst performance by a centre-half at Dens Park, and that is going some. I mean, he was awful. He, it, there was another another stage where he um, chested it onto Alan McGregor from a cross ball for no good reason. <laughs> He punted the ball at the park about seven times. I mean, it was quite incredible, but he got caught underneath it. In fact, he wasn't even the most at fault for that one. (laughs) He got caught underneath the ball. um, And it was an awkward sort of spinning ball going over Goldson's shoulder. Um, But, I mean, it's unforgivable. You can't let that ball bounce and then just sort of say to your goalkeeper, oh, can you please come out to pretty much the 18-yard line and get this for me? Um, I'm having a bit of difficulty here. You can't do it. And Kenny Miller, been around the block, as we all know, he's smart enough. He just hooked his leg around, put a bit of contact on the Goldson, made him know he was there. And it was, a, it was a neat wee finish. But defensively, that is really quite appalling from Goldson and more. They, they seemed like such a... Uh,
0: it seemed like Gerrard had prioritised that at the start of the season, both in his signings and in his set-up. And he he improved the backline quite a lot. And it looked like that Katic and, and Goldson were both solid Katic kind of fell away a little bit. Warrell's kinda of had a little bit of a roller coaster since he's since he's been there. But in recent times, Goldson, who looked like the 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 best
2: out of the three, the most solid out of the three, he's been having quite a few troubles recently. Yeah, I, I, it's difficult to kind of put your finger exactly on what's what's going on at the back. I think part of part of it must just be it did look like they had some sort of understanding going on there and now they are rotating. You know, there were six changes um for that game, and not only is the defence looking just dis- like suddenly disjointed and either too deep or too high. In that case, with Kenny Miller, you know, it's, it's not like searing paces being them, but they were so so deep, and they still got beaten with the ball from the fullback. Um, but the the midfield doesn't seem to have any balance either, and it it was a it was a very strange game because for the second time uh, in a week uh, Rangers went behind and even after equalizing you didn't get the feeling there was a winner coming i mean they they were unlucky with a couple of decisions certainly the um carl <laughs> lafferty was onside give a bit of a break you know give the official some of a break um, because i can see why it was given off
0: it was a really um was it was kent that put the ball in and uh, he was he was travelling at some pace yeah. the, the linesman any linesman would do well to keep up with yeah. that yeah uh, They're not professional athletes themselves. And yeah, he was behind the play when he made the decision. And yeah, I totally agree. It was a difficult... He got it wrong, but it was a difficult one for him to make. And it it, it must have looked like it was offside from where he was. Because it it was bang on level.
2: In in real time, and even first glance of the still, you can see why he's given it offside. Obviously, it was the wrong decision. I I actually think that there were a couple of pretty reasonable penalty shouts as well that were, were probably... Easier to give in real time than the um, than the than the offside one, but it 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 was just a, a very disjointed, perhaps again down to fatigue and and rotating more than uh, more than they needed to, but it just another very disjointed Rangers performance.
1: I think Gerard was was spot on afterwards, and he, he sort of said, you know, yeah, Kyle was onside when he scored, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, we didn't deserve to take anything from this game, and he's absolutely spot on. Um, they had all the possession in the second half and in the entire match in which they spent 70 minutes against 10 men they had 6 shots on just 6 shots and 3 on target I mean that's that's really bad stats that's terrible because I I was actually quite surprised as I was watching the game and uh, it was pointed out that a a shot in the second half um, I can't remember exactly who it was from I think it was Ryan Jack and they sort of said right that's Rangers first shot in the second half <laughs> they would had all these crosses into the box they'd had it, they would had all just the possession um, yeah. and, and just nothing was coming of it I forgot Kyle Lafferty was playing in the second half for long long spells um, maybe through no fault of his own I mean he's, he's the sort of guy that thrives off of good delivery and, and you know good service and all that kind of stuff and, and Dundee to their absolute credit, were absolutely fantastic at the, uh, at the back. Um, Kasunga, who would have thought that he was yeah. an actual football player? Jensei, aye, um he Aye. He was superb. Gen aye, that's what they call. called. Uh, Kasunga, Boyle, Kerr, um, all of them were, were absolutely massive at the back for Dundee. Calvin Miller in the second half as well was superb um, defensively and also as an outball um, at some points in the second half as well. He offered that pace, won the ball and got them up the pitch. Um, yeah, I, I think that you can you can talk until you're blue in the face about how terrible Rangers were and how toothless they were in attack, but a, a lot of the credit needs to go to Dundee um, because they stifled the game when they went down to ten men. They, they came back out certainly for the second half with a game plan and they stuck to it. Um, they have been woeful at the back this year; that's that's been you know it's not been a secret. But on that game, you know that's going to be hugely encouraging for Jim McIntyre. Also off the back of the three games before that. As you say, they've they've not lost in four now. So it's very, very promising. Um, But yeah, Rangers, got to take a look at that. That was not good enough at all. Another team that have a game plan and have stuck to it is Livingston, who,
0: um, as we know, have been very effective from set pieces this season. Although it was a little bit different, this performance against St Mirren, when they managed to score three goals from open play.
2: Yeah, um, I think as good as they were, I think... The, I mean, we've talked a bit about some of the horrendous defending, but I think the award for the worst defending I think I've seen all season from <laughs> St. Mirren. Um Like, no, uh, Livingston were very good; they got about. But if you're going to let Gallagher stroll through the midfield and provide two assists, I think um, one of them.
0: I think he was involved in the second. He involved? got an assist for the first, bit he was involved. The other two came from shots from Pittman that were deflected One's, into yeah, someone else's path. Defeated. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the, certainly strolling through the midfield and taking four players out with, I, you can't even call it a blind pass. I watched the game and he I mean, and the
0: assist. That it's not, it's not as if it's a defence splitting pass. It's no. a pretty, it's a pretty. He didn't have to show great technique for it or anything, but um, he was doing it the whole game. Though he was up and down that flank the whole game. He was excellent. He really was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I as Livingston were excellent, they were pretty unlucky to be behind it. I mean, it was an excellent ball for um, you know. Hamill, who seems to be single-handedly taking...
0: Uh, scored or assisted seven of their last eight goals, and, and, and the other one, one he took the
2: corner in for. <laughs>
1: it's absolutely not a surprise. That no, <laughs> no, not remotely a surprise.
2: Yeah, um, Another fantastic delivery, and, you know, a, a, a good a good header. and uh, but I, I think that was actually going to Livingston again in a second, but I think for St Mirren that was a m- massive, not just Point to throw away, but three points to throw away because it's a difficult place to go. We all know that, and they, no one was expecting them to win. But to get ahead like they did, and to just completely capitulate—I mean, the, the goals were people getting drawn to the ball. Um, I think um, Ryan Hardy's one. There were six Livingston players in the box. There was only four St Mirren players in the box, and the six Livingston players were all closer to the ball than anyone else in the, on the St Mirren side. Which, like, it, when you're when you're at the bottom of the league, you can just grab for points like that. It it's just the lack of effort,
0: and it's the third game in the last five where they've had a lead and they've surrendered it. And remember, they did it twice against Hibbs. they were ahead twice and still didn't take the win in
1: that game. Yeah, it's we've seen it from St Ben all year, and they're and still a patchwork outfit after the Alan Stubbs abomination. You know, we all know that, and you know, Kearney has has just got to get them as good as he can until January when he can actually say, "Right, you're gone." I can bring this guy in, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. They they have been improved in recent weeks, I think it's fair to say. You know, they're, they're not going away and getting tanked 4-1 um, every time they play, 3-1 this time, <laughs> not that far away. Um, but they've certainly improved. But yeah, I, I mean, all you need to do is, is look at the highlights and, and you'll see exactly where the frailties are in that team. It doesn't take uh, a scout, it doesn't take a, a professional to tell you exactly where something has been in a week. And it, it will continue until... January, and that's that's just without doubt. But Kearney has shown that he can get them results. Um, you know, the, the four points he got against Hearts and Hibs, um, very very good few points for him. But yeah, I mean, even after they went one 0 up, I, I just wasn't sure at all that they were going to be able to hold on to it. They didn't, and the defensive field is just sort of kept compounding and kept sort of piling up after that. And just kept going, but yeah, like like you were saying, Tom, that Ryan Hardy goal. When it, it, you know, it is a bit of pinball in the box, to be fair. But even then, it's it's unreal. It's great to see from Hardy. His uh, first game,
0: first start. Sorry, I think he came on as a sub the week before or something, but it's his first start in seven months. And uh, yeah, he's had a rotten time with injury, obviously, and uh, but. The less said about Danny Rogers' performance in goal, the the better. I think he really had a bad one.
2: Yeah, I mean, no one in the no one in the team covered themselves in glory. But, you know, he he didn't have a good game. He had a couple of flappy moments and a few that shots from distance that didn't look particularly dangerous that were pushed straight back into dangerous areas. So you know, not a not one of his finest moments, um, but not well helped by anyone in front of him either. So it's <laughs>
1: it's kind of it when a goalkeeper does have a bad game but so does his defence I think it's almost like a little let off for him because it's like ah but you can still blame those guys for coming (laughs) that far Um, and he's not Craig Samson well (laughs) thank god Um, but no I mean as you saw Pittman's goal you know he was allowed right in Rogers should have got it Um, I don't doubt that at all I think the plastic swamp you can maybe blame that if he wants to but it's not going to have a difference I forgot about that right, he should, he <laughs> he should, right back at the start of the season I yeah, don't forget um, but you know you should have got his hand on to it but it, it wasn't good performance from any of those sort of defensive minded players at St Mirren and uh, just before we move on probably mention uh,
0: Livingston's home form they're now the second best team In terms of uh, home form after that, they've lost, I've got it here somewhere, sorry, they have lost just
2: once and conceded just three goals in nine home matches. Pretty incredible. Yeah, and, and credit to them, they've been miles better than anyone could possibly have expected this season, and not just in where they are and the way they've played. Credit to them. Is this another
0: team that have been miles better than everybody expected? Or are we yet again, have we been underestimating sexy St Johnston, <laughs> who came away from Pitordry with a 2 0 win, their eighth game uh, without a loss? Um, Blair Alston and a big Joe Sharknessy <laughs> with the goals. Um, and yeah, St Johnston are in this position now where they're just, I think they're game in hand, three points behind Kilmarnock in second. How high do we think they can finish? I mean, I would have had them, given the strength of the league this year, I probably, and this year I go underestimating them again, but I probably would have <laughs> had them just outside the top six. I know that they, they finished in the bottom six last season. I probably would have seen a, a little bit of an improvement on that. But
2: I don't know, the, the, it looks like the sky's the limit at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, if if it continues the way, it, it, I mean, there, there are now five, six teams that, could conceivably take points off each other or drop stupid points in any given week, then they are putting a run together and they've got a decent run of fixtures yet, uh, over, over the winter. Um, then they could build up a bit of head of steam, yeah. Um, I still think that they're probably fifth, anything higher than that would be a really exceptional season. Fifth would be a really, really good season, but that's kind of where... I, like fifth or sixth, still based on on the squad and uh, and uh, personnel available, but they were excellent, and they're not just. I mean, it's the first time I've seen them properly um, for any great length of time this season, and um, and I knew about the work rate, and knew about um, the the improved range of threats that they've got. But Ross so being one, well, bizarrely, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> almost scored the early on. Should have won a penalty. Um, But yeah, range of um, good from set pieces. Tony Watt was excellent without scoring. Uh, Kind of looks like he he needs to go a little bit, but just occupied defenders. And um, Shaughnessy's getting a bit of a a, a reputation for scoring these just like FIFA soccer headers. (laughs) they absolutely steaming headers that just. Don't take a touch off anyone, and they're straight in and just incredibly satisfying looking <laughs> headers. And everyone has to love Joe Stannish trying to be honest. He's just—he seems like a really likable guy. Yes, yeah, just a big lovely guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. If, yeah, I think they'll—they've—they've they've got plenty left in them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so. Continue I, the St Johnston loving, Robert. I, I absolutely will. <laughs> um, just sort of touching on what Tom was saying there with their sort of Arsenal now uh, going forward. Guys like Matty Kennedy, um, he'd been in Scotland before, you know, remember he, he played for Hibbs and someone else. Kamarnock. Kamarnock. Um, and he kind of flattered to see, he was younger then, uh, but he's coming to this team and St Johnston fans will be sick of me saying this, because I say it every single time, but it's the Tommy Wright, O'Halloran effect. He gets these sort of attack-minded, like speedy players playing at their best for him. And he did it with Danny Swanson as well, remember. He's always had that knack of bringing these guys in and saying, right, here's your platform, go ahead and do it and play with a bit of freedom, which is what Kennedy does. It's what Haran did. And he's, he's really, you know, I'd, every time I've seen Kennedy this season, I've been really impressed with him. He's, he's added a lot more goals to his, uh, to his game now as well. Um, he could have scored an absolute screamer um, after getting behind Max Lowe. It was a good save by Joe Lewis at that that point as well I get, was it
0: the game previous where he almost scored a screamer as well where he hit the top of the bar the 0-0 against Kilmarnock I can't remember if that was their previous game but he smacked the top of the bar and no, it, as
2: well. in the previous
1: game he scored against Harps yeah. right,
2: okay. uh, so scored the game s- before that I think. it was a mid-week game I believe
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Am I right? yeah. Oh, carry on but you know that is, he's, he and um, Tony Watt are, are major reasons why we're saying sexy St Johnston because it's two really talented players playing towards the, the top end of the park for them who can hold it in, who can take players on, who can bring in guys like Ross Callaghan, Murray Davidson, Blair Alston, obviously, now he's got uh, two goals in two weeks as well. It's it, it just works. Tommy Wright knows how to get these sort of attack-minded players mm. playing for him and playing the way that he wants them to. And it's simple, simple tactics, but it works. And, you know, Aberdeen are the, the latest to fulfil that. Hearts did on many occasions at midweek, but they managed to get a couple of goals against them. You know, another clean sheet for Xander Clark. That's that's, again... It's not just working at one end of the pitch, it's the, the defence has been absolutely superb as well. So, when you say where can St Johnston finish, right now you could say anywhere because there's teams throughout the week who are putting on you know, sustained sort of bits of form. So, you've got St Johnston in the middle of it just At kind the of start of the season, you saw Hearts and Livingston and Hibs having good form. You know, Aberdeen, I'm sure this is still to come. They will hit a purple patch and they'll start winning a bunch of games. Ranger Celtic are always going to be there. St Johnston, right now, are the team. Uh, obviously Kilmarnock up until the weekend where also the team they've now lost that a wee bit after getting pumped but it's you can't say what anyone's going to finish this year because I think every single team, like Tom says can take points off each other and it's really exciting, it's great to see these teams go on these runs of form and, and allowing fans to just dream a little bit more than they have done previously, it's great
2: Yeah, Every single supporter of a, of a club between seventh and s- second can point to a game that they won that they probably shouldn't have and were a bit fortunate and a couple that they didn't take points which would have put them in first, third, whatever it mm-hmm. might be this season. So many times
1: I've heard fans this
2: season say that, oh but yeah, if we'd, we'd won time. that game yeah exactly and yeah, they've they've still, I say it about Hearts all the
1: time if we mm-hmm. won that game like if we won any of the games that we didn't win in seven then we'd be joint top mm-hmm. and it's, it's that sort of thing and, and Kilmarnock I'm sure can look at that as well uh, Rangers can definitely Look at that And, and you know it's, 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 it's great to see it And it's making for A really exciting League season And St Johnston Are just the latest To really properly Contribute to
0: that It's great uh, Just before we move on To talk about Aberdeen For a bit I want to uh, pick up And add to what you said About um, taking these Sexy players And that's why we're Calling them sexy. at Johnston And making them better I think he does it With a lot of Non-sexy players a lot of Fugly players And um, really <laughs> Players like Blair Alston Yeah And uh, Ross Callaghan Who I mean, a few people sniggered when they signed Ross Callaghan, but to me that's just, that's exactly the type of player that Tommy Wright takes and improves or gets something out of or has a functioning unit for which there's a place for someone like Ross Callaghan. So not only does he do it with Swanson and O'Halloran and Kennedy, maybe not so much what this year's, maybe not got quite as much as he wanted to in terms of goals anyway. Yeah. but he also, like I say, he also does it with players that are maybe slightly unfashionable, and I think that, that's that been his big strength. Obviously, he was um, he was rewarded with a new contract last week. He's kind of seen out this, it looked like it was going stale for a while, and he's really kind of saw that through, he come out the other side, reduced the, the age of the squad, made it more dynamic, and yeah, they're reaping the
1: rewards this season. He's still, he's still one of the better uh, managers in the country. Totally agree, and I, I think just to just to go back at you again on this, I think um, you, know, you look at the, the season after they won the Scottish Cup and, and Stevie May left and all that kind of stuff. They they finished fourth, I believe, um, but only scored like thirty four goals. So that was like you know, nice St. Johnston, not sexy St. Johnston. And I think, you know, he did that by, by bringing really
2: blossoming.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but he did it that season by doing exactly what you said. You know, he made a really sturdy unit. He got a bunch of guys in, guys who were already there, made them sort of his player. And, and they got a lot of results from that. But it's when you see the O'Hallorans and, and the, the Swansons and Kennedys, that's when you get sexy St. Johnston. That's when you get a team that scores a bunch of goals and is, is nice to watch, as well as just being incredibly functional, and, and getting the results that way.
0: Right, Tom, um, before we move away from this game, you're going to tell me what happened to Aberdeen. What happened?
2: Um, so, two things. <laughs> First of all, there's only so many games you can go playing for a nil nil and hoping to get set pieces because Aberdeen are very good at set pieces and have been for a number of years, but particularly this season have been very, very dangerous from set pieces. Um, you can't keep doing that, especially against a team that is as well set up as as St Johnston were. Secondly, as a, I think this game kind of exemplified the deeper problem um, with this season so far. Um, the traditionally this time of year Aberdeen tend to pick up points and, and they tend to wait, you know, go on five, six, seven, I think up up to eight match winning runs because they've got good squad, they've got like bigger, more resources than most of the teams in the league. Um they can rotate the squad a little bit more than most. Um so when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, you, you know, you you can pick up against against weekend This season they don't because the transfer policy's been terrible. I mean it,
0: in the centre of the park specifically is where they've really kind of not got what they needed out of their new sign ins. Yeah,
2: I mean there's there's mitigating circumstances with Forrester, but but certainly Gleason hasn't kicked the ball in since what? September in any kind of meaningful manner, um, needing a goal, Wilson was left on the bench until 14 minutes before the end of the game. That you know they put on uh, Bruce Anderson, who admittedly has been good this season, but you know he's not the guy on loan from Man United who's meant to solve the, the striking problems, and um, and bring on, um sorry, bring McGinn on, uh, bring now who has been knackered for like he's played two years of solid football and needs a break, and they're turning to. Um, Turn to to the, to these guys rather than the guys they brought in in the summer. So I think there is a serious need to look again in January. Um, with Mackay Steven out injured, there is almost no creativity unless there's something from a set piece or one of the fullbacks gets forward. And St Johnson were able to deal with it pretty comfortably.
0: Okay, from that to a match that was described by the Scotsman as a battle of athleticism and resilience. Not a very good game then,
2: Rob.
1: <laughs> I can only assume we're talking about Hearts and Motherwell here. Talking uh, about Hearts and Motherwell. It was, there was honestly, there was a spell in the second half and uh, you know when like, sometimes you're in a meeting or, or, or back to when you're at school and you find yourself just staring at a space and your mind is empty <laughs> and you're just staring for the sake of staring because you're just like, I don't know I can't be bothered here. That happened to me in that game and I sort of woke up and I was like, oh, all oh right, okay, this is where my hard end goes on my season ticket then. And it was, this is our first win in seven. <laughs> it, oh, Jesus, honestly, I, I mean, I celebrated it full time, but that entire second half I, just, I watched through my fingers, not because I was nervous because I didn't want to fully watch the game. It was that bad. It was, uh, the midfield basically was completely swallowed up and turned into a battle, as the Scotsman described it. Um, there was, I think, football may have broken out at about four occasions through the match. Um, Hearts had a few good moves. When Motherwell brought on James Scott, um, he made a few good movements as well. That's about it. Um, when you're the standout players, Arnold June um, was attempting to, to play football. He played really well. He's begun to hit a bit of form, which is great. Um, another so, new position for Michael Smith. Another new position for Michael Smith. He would be the other one that I said played well, but not for any footballing <laughs> reasons. Um, he defended well and he, his positioning was great. Um, but yeah, I, generally speaking, it was one of the most forgettable games of football I've, I've ever watched. Um, I feel like, Struggling to tell you much of anything that, that really happened. Hart scored a goal. Peter Haran scored. Um, lovely ball in from Oli uh, who again was busy, but I think that sort of game suited him because the middle of the park was so bunched up. Um, he's the sort of guy, wee guy, that will just buzz in and about and, and take the ball off you. Um, we'll, we'll go see if Tom can add anything this. Honestly, I, I the think, the, think there's so much more that I could say, no. but, but I won't. Okay, because, because honestly I,
0: I want to forget that game is so bad I mean it, it
1: was the
0: kind of Hearts were on this run where they just needed any kind of win the proverbial the, the, any kind of win and that kind of became a reality for them
2: yeah and I mean I've, I've only seen the highlights it looked like it was merited if through being slightly coming out of a war of attrition slightly better than better than uh, Motherwell did I mean, out Motherwell Motherwell out Motherwell Motherwell um i mean the it was a game kind of set up for someone like Curtis main and i thought he the the, the, the ch- he had the ball in the net i, I think uh, slightly harshly not disallowed because the whistle had gone before he put it in the net so there you know you can't say it was a disallowed goal um but it was it was almost like that seemed like to to sum up the game in itself a bit of muscle and not much else. I, um,
1: I think Maine was hard done by quite a lot in that game. Um, you know, as a Hearts fan, I've seen a lot of big burley centre forwards getting a lot of decisions given against them, and you get used to it. And I, I was watching Curtis Maine in that game, thinking, "There's a lot of these that just aren't free kicks." Mm. And he, he was being penalised an awful lot um, when he shouldn't have been. And and the the one on Dikimona that he then sort of expertly pings into the top corner. <laughs> is certainly one that you could point at and say he was hard done by um, on I was case. trying to work yeah. out whether
0: Slamal would have dived for it or not or whether he stopped because of the whistle it looked like he was just knew he wasn't going to
1: get to it so didn't attempt it rather than stopped because the whistle had gone the whistle had gone so far before Main actually even hit the ball though that mm. you know it's understandable if Slamal had stopped but it's a fantastic finish Yeah, um, it's a really really good finish so it's one thing that we'll never know um, if Slamal had uh, dived for it or got his, his feet right if the whistle hadn't gone.
2: Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought it was slightly harsh because I didn't think it was hugely different to the goal that Hearts scored, which, you know, was a, a physical, perfectly f- fair challenge, but again, quite physical. Um, you know, went for the ball, attacked the ball, but got in front of the defender and there was a bit of physical contact in it. But um, yeah, big, big win for Hearts, kind of, especially as players are going to start coming back mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. Um, and just you
0: forget how good a position they're still in. Yeah, uh, that, three. Sorry, how many points off the top is it now? See, you know, three, three points off the top, because uh, it just feels like it, it's been so bad for so long that you feel like they should be further away from the top of the from the division. Top yeah, of the
2: division. and and just to kind of psychologically end that run of of not just like defeats, but not being able to score. I mean, they scored against St. Johnston, but um, you know, not being able to fashion much and. In a game that there wasn't much in, a scrappy win, get some momentum going back into a run of fixtures when, you know, when key players start coming back, a big win for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, right, I'll talk about it. Fine. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, Hatch started with, with with three at the back, and like you said, Michael Smith in, in the middle of that. Um, that was kind of the plan at the start of the season, was three five two essentially. That's why... Berra, Souter, and Hughes or or Smith could could tuck in. Uh Camona was obviously signed the after, but yeah. Hughes uh, sorry Smith did really well in the middle. Uh, Berra left, De Kimona right. And De Kimona was only
0: signed. Sorry, Dunn was brought in after Berra was injured. Yeah, they may, I think there might have been a plan to sign in the centre half anyway. Yeah, and then Decamona was brought in after Souter was injured. Yeah, so they, like they moved
1: quicker s- to s- so many centre halves, and still Aaron Hughes can't get a game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I th- I think more interestingly than that it was it was um Sean Clare and Arnold Jume sort of playing as the two behind Stephen McQueen to try and just try and give him some sort of support because he's not a lone striker and he's been forced to play it. Feel really bad for him. Um but that, that, that was a sort of interesting dynamic between those three. I think as I said, uh Joom played really well. I think Joom was the best player on the pitch. Um, Sean I mean, he looked like excellent in the highlights actually. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's, about, it's about the first time he's played in the centre of the season Because he's
0: been playing that kind of off the left role he's,
1: he's, he's, played, he's played fairly central more recently Which is why Ollie Lee's come at the team um, So originally like the, the game against Aberdeen at Tynecastle June played left ahead of Mitchell And it was Lee and Haring in the middle uh, And I think that's the last time that I can remember That June played on the left hand side It was then brought in And Lee subsequently dropped to the bench um, So he has been playing slightly more centrally more often uh, and it definitely suits him, you can see that But Sean Clare as well He has a lot of uh, detractors But he is getting better and better um, Very slowly he's, he's getting there And I think when guys like Stephen Naismith uh, Uche come back into the team We don't know what David Vanichek's going to be like But he could be another one that, that triggers a bit of form in him He's beginning to just get more fit And you can see that Now you can see what his qualities are He's fast, he's powerful Likes running with the ball, breaking from midfield the breaks haven't gone for him yet, but I'm still confident he'll be good. Fowler and Joe will hate me saying that because they've already, <laughs> already decided that he's pish. Um But yeah, it's it's just slowly but surely you're you're seeing a a team that just couldn't win, couldn't score, um, becoming slightly you know licking their wounds and saying right, no, we are up this up this part of the table for a reason. Uh, Demi Mitchell put in another slightly better performance, uh, which was good to see, and yeah. You know, getting there um, bit by bit, but it was it it wasn't a pretty game whatsoever. Um, Couldn't tell you who Motherwell's star player was (laughs) because. Honestly, I, I, it was so forgettable, that game. I couldn't... I was trying to pin... I knew I was on the pod this week. I was like, right, let's watch Motherwell. I was like, no. <laughs> I couldn't. Going by their league position,
0: are they destined to be in this kind of no-man's land between kind of not really got any chance of getting into the top six, but not really going to be in any trouble of going down either? Uh, I don't think they're totally safe. Is Graham in safe. for a really boring end to the season?
2: No, I, I don't think they're totally safe. I think that um, like Dundee and... Dundee and Summerin will do business in in January and they can't get any worse. I mean, really, the the, the five months they've had of the season, they've been horrendous with like Dundee having a slight upturn in recent weeks, but neither of those teams are going to get any worse. And, you know, I've said a number of times and everyone knows it, Hamilton have an annoying habit for anyone down there of like picking, you know, they'll lose four to Dundee, but then they'll beat Rangers or they'll pick up a point at at, at Celtic Park or something like that and they'll go on a a run at some point where they'll get enough points to put whoever's above them in danger Motherwell in theory are a better side than all three of them I don't know if they'll do quite as much to address any major issues in in January because I think they kind of know how they're set up and have shown in flashes what they can do but I, I don't think they're out of the woods completely because they're, at the moment they're, they're miles better than the teams below them and they will do fine and they'll pick up enough points, but they're not scoring a huge amount of goals. They're not creating a huge amount and the teams below them will get better, which I think is a concern for them.
0: Another team in a very similar position is Hamilton who lost 1-0 at home to Hibernian. This was Hib's first win since they thrashed Hamilton 6-0 in October, at the start of October actually. And this had a strange quirk to it, this game, where neither of the uh, goalkeepers named in the original starting lineups made it for the, the, the kick-off of the match. And then, even then, um, Gary Woods, who came in for Mucha, then went off injured later on in the game and Jacob Marston came on
1: for, <laughs> for his debut. So Aki's went through three goalkeepers that day. It was incredible. I, I didn't really know much about it until after I'd, I'd come out of Time Castle and I sort of saw the hips game is still going on. What's what's going on here? It's because both goalies got injured in the, in the warm-up. It's ridiculous. Obviously drinking too much of that hemp oil. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but, um, that non-psychoactive hemp oil. A non-psychoactive... <laughs> drinking it. Um, yeah, it, it was... I th- a really bizarre way to to start um, <laughs> proceedings in, in Hamilton. Um, I, don't, I don't think it had a, a massive impact on how the, the game played. No, out. No, Mucia looks just the shite as well. Oh come on now, uh, Marston looked alright though. <laughs> I looked alright. Yeah, right. had he, a he, good. He, made some saves. Um, but yeah, about the game itself, Hibbs in like, literally exactly the same position as Harps. Uh, same amount of games without a, a victory. Just needed a win. Uh, needed to to do it by hook or by crook, and they, they were able to do that. Uh, Ollie Shaw getting the goal, but you know I, I think where Hibs are going to take the most sort of um, positives out of that game is, is how they performed after the break mm-hmm. um, with Hindman and Horgan. Um, you know these guys really began to make a difference, like, like they were. You know all those games ago when they beat Hamilton six 0 especially Hindman in that game, um, and that's that's where they've got to take a, a bit of pleasure, obviously. Uh, Gary Parker said last weekend um, you know Hibs have got four players that are not pulling their weight and they know who it is I wonder if that was Hindman and (laughs) Horgan or or two of them that that just weren't doing enough and now they've they've got the rocket and sort of said right we need to start impacting games and and as I say the way they played after the break there was it wasn't a completely fluid performance from Hibs it wasn't you know sort of earlier season last season uh, style Hibs but they they were playing some nice stuff and they were getting the ball down they were attacking at pace and that's where Hibs have real strength. That's where they can properly hurt teams. Um, even without Martin Boyle, obviously who got quite a nasty injury and had to come off. Um, but that's that's where Hibs should be focusing. I think the, the first half of that game, Hamilton had some, Hibs had some. Hamilton should have scored. James Keaton's uh, really bad miss in the first half. But you know that's 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 where they've got to take the positives. And then, you know similar again to Hearts, you you pick out the wee positives and say right, we've got the win, we've got the few points. Let's kick on. Let's use that and. Use it as a bit of a springboard. Um, Hindman looked exactly like what Hibs have been missing
0: recently. Um, they've tried Horgan in there a little bit to varying degrees of success. Um, they had Malin slightly further forward for a few games, but they've just kind of been missing that that kind of number 10 type player. And he, he seems to be the guy they've been waiting for to come back.
2: Yeah, I mean, started uh, I've picked out. is Stephen Mallon has hit forty shots this season. <laughs> only only Morelos has got more. The forty six. <laughs> ma-
0: did you have you got how many of them were from outside the box, or is it just I think all forty?
2: <laughs> all of forty have been from outside the box. I would be surprised if any of them were within twenty yards. Well that's um, it, he's he's
1: hip's top goal scorer. Yeah. Mallon. He's got nine. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. And and that seemed to be the only way that they were gonna score in the first half. And uh I mean,
1: just, Woods nearly punched one in. He did. He um, did he um, punch one yeah. In.
2: But yeah, that, I mean that. Fair enough, if you're hitting forty from distance, because you know they are. It does work, and they are going in. But it it, it it was like, I I. It's almost like you read my notes in almost everything because I've got almost I agree with almost everything you said. The only thing that I think slightly different between the hip situation and the heart situation is, heart's winning felt like. There was r- rotted, stopped, and. They can. They've got something to build on again. Hibbs in the second half were were infinitely better than they have been at any point in the last six weeks. But I don't think that win answers the questions that the, the fundamental questions of what is what's what's going on.
0: Yeah, is it should it be a concern that Lennon seems? I mean, he might be back for the next set of games, but. Is it worrying that he's just completely shirked his media re- responsibility, I, I mean, or, I or, or delegated them, I should say?
2: I, I don't. I think from time to time he he has always
0: delegated. It. They'll get, they'll every manager designate. does it every now and again but it's, it's now a sustained yeah, but it's never never for three or four matches yeah, in a row, there, there or Dick Campbell's doing it at the moment but he's suspended <laughs> for, for, indefinitely almost but uh, yeah, this this seems like a little more sustained than managers usually it, do it, for.
2: It, it it seems like it's a thing, it doesn't seem just like, you know, send them out after a bad performance to go speak to the media it does seem like you know, he, he's been sent out to speak to, Mick um, Parker's been sent out to, to speak to the media rather than uh, Lenin dealing dealing with him, himself, and I don't know whether that's I I don't, I don't know what to read into that whatsoever, but whether it's caused by the poor form and he just doesn't want to discuss it until he's got something better to do, or there's or vice versa. I, I said a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think it's a great revelatory, revelatory point, but Lenin's always been like a cult of personality, and I think he's an infectious person, and when he's up for it and Focused and ambitious and all of these things he hauls everyone forward with him but I think the same is probably true when he's not at his best and I, with no information to go on whatsoever it does seem a little bit like the two things at the moment don't seem to be just a coincidence And we'll finish off just by talking about Hamilton for a little bit, the
0: always honest Martin Canning just came out and said uh, they just weren't good enough he talked about all the places uh, where they just didn't get close enough to Hibs, uh And, yeah, I mean, there's no point in worrying about Hamilton, is there? No, nah, because they'll
1: be fine. They'll yeah. finish 10th. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll finish 10th. I, I mean, I, I actually thought that, I didn't think that Hamilton were as bad as he made out. I thought that in the first half, they could easily have been one, if not two, ahead. Yeah. Um, and considering some of the performances they've put in in recent weeks, um, I thought that they were an awful lot better, especially going forward than than they have been in, in, in recent weeks. And, you know, losing one nil to Hibs is not gonna define their season, so I thought he was a little a little harsh. Um they were cut apart a lot more easily in the second half. Uh they didn't seem to deal with, with Hyman coming in as we have touched on, and Horgan caused all sorts of problems um to down the Hibs left. Um but I, I they'll be fine they'll be fine I've just spent a whole of the words saying exactly what you did in <laughs> three they'll be fine they'll be they'll fine they'll be
1: fine um, yeah. I, I think the, the one thing from their point of view is how they just did not adapt at any time to the changes that Hibs made hmm. Um, you know they, they even I think they made a couple of personnel changes in there didn't make a difference Um they it's that sort of in-game management um that would be a concern but I think generally speaking I think you're right Tom I, th- I think Cannon was a wee bit harsh. I think they, they did play some nice stuff in the first half, made chances for themselves. Um, as I say, Keaton's really should have scored. But yeah, it's not going to define our season. I gonna
0: you're going to be fine, Hamilton. Well, you always are. You <laughs> always, <laughs> always are. Well, that's it for Monday's Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, just by searching for Terrace Podcast, or you can email us, email us at terracepodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd be so kind, we've not asked for this for a little while, but if you could go leave us a review on a positive one, if if, if possible, <laughs> or uh, if, if you've liked what you've heard on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, that'll really help us. And uh, we're going to go off and do the Patreon now, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. And all that's left to do is for you guys to say goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Bye.